SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program uh, this uh, Friday, the 1st of September, we'll be joined by Auntie Jill Kalaha, CEO of a Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organization, reflecting on the voice to Parliament and the role of elders in shaping the debate. Also, as the debate of the referendum has been revealed, we explore with SBS News the official launch of the Yes and No campaigns. On NITV Radio today, we also have a yarn with Anne-Marie Long, National Coordinator of Career Trackers STEM program, talking about opportunities for some First Nations career trackers to undertake internships in a NASA space program. All these stories and more coming to you on NITV Radio, broadcasting from now on the Kulin Nation this Friday afternoon. Bertrand Tungandamengaya, I'm Bertrand Tungandame. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. This bulletin, yes and no campaigns to voice to parliament, launched officially as referendum date announced. Doubts surround Prime Minister Antonio Albanese's chance to meet with China's President Xi Jinping at the G20 summit in India. And the ALP president says the competition regulator should have acted sooner on Qantas. of volunteers took to the streets to kick off the first day of official campaigning for or against the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. It comes as Prime Minister Antonio Albanese has, has announced the date for the referendum as October 14. Australians will be asked to decide whether to enshrine a permanent advisory body for Indigenous Voices. Director of the Yes23 campaign, Dean Parkin, says excitement for the referendum is building. Well, obviously yesterday, uh, a very momentous day in this campaign for constitutional recognition through The Voice, seeing the Prime Minister announce the date, giving us that October 14 date, very much sets the nation on the pathway to the referendum. We've already been out there campaigning as the Yes campaign, and as you can see today, uh, going from Adelaide to Hornsby train station today, having further conversations with voters on the ground, a tremendous vibe out here. While campaigning in Tasmania, where polling suggests a no vote, Prime Minister Antonio Albanese said he's confident Tasmanians will vote yes. I'm very positive about how the vote will go in Tasmania and throughout the country. Uh, This is a very clear and simple proposition. 
this is a proposition to recognise First Nations people in our constitution and listen to them about matters that affect their lives so as to get better results. That is what this is about. It's an opportunity uh, to lift the whole nation up. And on the first day of official day of campaigning for or against an indigenous voice to parliament, opposition leader Peter Dutton was targeting the regions. Yesterday, Mr. Dutton was in the central Queensland city of Rockhampton, encouraging voters to vote no in the upcoming referendum, which will be held on October 14. The opposition leader says those who don't know which way to go should just vote no. It's quite remarkable that the PM spending $450 million on this voice referendum when we know that uh, in the end it will split Australians right down the middle. Uh, the Prime Minister is embarking on a path which will divide our country, not unite it. And that is uh, deeply concerning. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have a respectful debate in this country. And you can find comprehensive information about the referendum visiting the SBS Voice Referendum portal at www.sbs.com.au slash voice referendum. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese may no longer have the chance to meet with China's President Xi Jinping. Following reports, the Chinese leader will skip the G20 summit in India. Mr Albanese had flagged talks would be possible with President Xi on the sidelines of the September 9 to September 10 meeting in New Delhi. It comes amid a recent revival of the relationship between the two nations. But according to diplomatic officials, the Chinese leader is likely to skip the summit and send Premier Li Qiang in his place. Mr Albanese told Parliament in August that it is in Australia's interest to have a stable bilateral relationship with China. He also said Australia was open to dialogue with China. The Australian Labour Party president has criticised the competition regulator for what he said has been a slow response to concerns about Qantas. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, ACCC, is taking legal action against the airline, accusing it of selling tickets to thousands of flights after they had already been cancelled. The ACCC alleges Qantas broke consumer laws when it sold tickets to more than 8,000 flights between May and July last year without disclosing they had been cancelled. Wayne Swan has told Channel 9 the consumer watchdog should have stepped in earlier and the Qantas board should have better supervised the airline's operations. That's the job of the regulators. Uh, This is a a private company uh, with a board that ought to be accountable for this behaviour. We've seen these things happen with other big corporates before where, where the board didn't adequately supervise the company and things went out of control. Millions of Australians living with ongoing health conditions can get cheaper medicines under the first stage of the federal government's 60 days dispensing policy. From today, September 1, consumers with chronic conditions will be able to get two months worth of medicine for the price of one. The Department of Health and Aged Care says problems with memory and concentration, also referred to as brain fog, are some of the most common symptoms of long COVID. This is true for Leanne Charland, who had always been a high performer at work until she suffered an adverse reaction to a COVID-19 booster in February last year and caught the virus a few months later. 
Immigration Minister Andrew Giles has announced the elimination of a special visa for international students trapped in Australia during the COVID-19 outbreak. The pandemic event visa subclass 408 was introduced at the peak of the pandemic in 2020 to fill labour shortages and support international students who were unable to leave Australia. The visa will be closed to new applicants from the 2nd of September, that's tomorrow, and will be closed to all applicants from February 2024. The government has also discontinued other pandemic-era policies such as unlimited work hours for international students and work exemptions for working holiday visa holders. Overseas, President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa has called an apartment block fire that killed more than 70 people in Johannesburg a wake-up call for his country. The fire took place in a five-story building occupied by homeless people. Emergency services say some of the people threw themselves out of windows to escape the blaze and more than 50 people were also injured. Mr. Lamaposa says the criminal ga- that criminal gangs are exploiting vulnerable families by charging rents to occupy buildings deemed unfit to live in. The lesson for us is that we've got to address this problem and root and everything else, root out those criminal elements because it is these types of buildings that are taken over by criminals who then levy rents on our Household fires are common in Johannesburg, partic- particularly in poorer areas. The city also suffers from chronic power shortages during which many resort to candles for light and wood fires for heat. European Union Foreign Policy Chief Joseph Borrell has declared the EU has no plans to evacuate its citizens from Gabon following this week's coup. The military took control of the country, placing President Ali Bongo under house arrest while cancelling election results that had appointed Mr. Bongo for a third term. It's the eighth military coup in West and Central Africa since 2020. Mr. Borrell says the EU condemns the use of force to seize power and urges all parties to exercise restraint. In Gabon, at the moment, there is no provision to evacuate. The situation is calm. We don't see any risk of violence or a situation that could provoke danger. There are about 10,000 EU citizens in Gabon, but no country has expressed concern over their situation. So, no plan for evacuation in Gabon. In Niger, however, we did evacuate. Back home, teachers in South Australia are set to strike today over demands for better pay. The South Australian Education Union has decided to stay off work after 80% of its members voted in favour of a strike action for the first time since 2019. The action will impact over 160 preschools and public schools in the state. It follows the failure of a last-minute meeting between state government representatives and union officials to reach an agreement. And to sport in rugby league, the Melbourne Storm extended their winning streak to 14 games after defeating the Brisbane Broncos 32-22 at Suncorp Stadium. The win opens the door for Penrith to claim the NRL minor premiership.
And now having a look at the weather around the country this Friday. Broome, sunny, 34. Perth, showers developing, 23. Adelaide, cloudy, 17. Melbourne, a shower, 2.15. Hobart, partly cloudy, 14. Albury, Wodonga, sunny, 16. Canberra, mostly sunny, 15. Wollongong, becoming windy and partly cloudy, 18. Sydney, partly cloudy, 19. Newcastle, becoming windy and partly cloudy, 20 degrees. Brisbane, mostly sunny, 28. Townsville, sunny, 27. Keynes, mostly sunny, 29. Alice Springs, sunny, 24. Darwin, sunny as well, at the top of 34. And the Torres Strait Islands, partly cloudy day, and the top of, of a top of 28 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. TV radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 p.m. or anytime online. I'm Bertrand Tungendame and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Friday afternoon. Coming up uh, next, we look at the official campaign launch of both sides of the debate around Indigenous Voice to Parliament after the date of the referendum was revealed earlier this week. We also have a conversation with uh, Marie Ann Long, National Coordinator of Career Trackers STEM program, talking about opportunities for some First Nations career trackers to undertake internships in another space program. But first, Auntie Jill Gallagher, CEO of Vacho, reflects on the voice to Parliament and the role of elders in shaping the debate. <music> Auntie Jill Gallagher, CEO of Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, is a respected Aboriginal leader who has dedicated her entire life to advocating for community. Auntie Jill is joining us on NITV Radio to update us on uh, upcoming uh, Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation events, including the upcoming Elders Summit, and also reflect on Voice to Parliament. Welcome to NITV Radio, Auntie Jill. Well, thank you for uh, having me on and, and having a yarn with me. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we've been uh, actually longing to catch up with you and uh, have a conversation. Uh, you've been uh, active, leading and guiding the community for many years now uh, through the treaty talks in uh, Victoria or even steering uh, Vacho in the right direction. And the voice to Parliament has been in discussion for many years now. And uh, it gained momentum in 2017 with uh, the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And it gained even more strength when uh, the Albanese government announced uh, it would take the question to the people through a referendum and actually amend the constitution to make it a reality. And now, just yesterday, the actual date of the referendum was announced. Well, I mean, it's great now that the um, it's now official. Uh, the 14th of October is when we go to the polls. I think that's uh, really good. We all know we've only got a um, uh, not a lot of time to ramp up the campaign. Um, hopefully, uh, my reflections on a um, an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to Parliament is um, what can I say? It would be it would be amazing if we were successful on the 14th of October. Absolutely amazing 
for Aboriginal people to be recognised and more importantly, our cultures uh, can be recognised in Australia's constitution. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd, I would actually encourage everyone to think about it. And uh, when you're in the polling booth, when you're actually in the polling booth, there's only you and your conscience in there with you. Um, and, you know, walk with us and vote yes. It would be amazing. Yeah. Many commentators, especially ones in the No campaign, say that the voice does not go far enough. And I've heard uh, even from some of the proponents of the Uluru Statement from the heart uh, that, uh, yeah, the voice uh, is uh, not the strongest demand. And uh, some even consider that uh, it's not a top uh, priority. It comes maybe number three in the top priorities. Um, I don't know who's saying that. Um, I know the opposition basically say it doesn't go far enough or we don't need a voice. But what's that saying? From little things, big things grow. Back in 1901, when the Constitution was written and became law, we as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were not counted. We weren't included in Australia's constitution because Australia was declared terra nullius. So now we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to declare that, um, you know, to uh, even though the native title, um, uh, the high courts declared, overturned the concept of terra nullius, um, now it's time for action. So the high court said that's not true. Australia was occupied by human beings when colonisation began. Um, so now it's time for action. We need that recognition in the Constitution. And by the way, those who think that the voice is just an advisory committee, um, it is not just an advisory committee. It will be able to challenge governments and challenge their thinking and they will be able to speak to Parliament directly. And that is power in itself, don't you think? Yeah, it's power, and uh, it's good you actually go back to the uh, Constitution 1901, 1st of January 1901, when Aboriginal uh, people were not even considered uh, as human beings in that con Constitution. And also you mentioned uh, the native title. And uh, one thing that uh, came out in our recent discussion with uh, some legal experts and historians is that even achievements that have been uh, uh, you know some positive uh, achievements through native title, for instance. They get the the, the the positive aspects get rolled back by successive governments. So a voice would be something to really enshrine some solid foundation for a dialogue and working together with the First Nations people. Basically, you 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 said it um, um, uh, very simply, and that's fantastic because that's what it is. You know, it's it's not um, it's not about you know no Australian citizen is going to have to give up anything to achieve a successful referendum, and for our our peoples to have a voice to Parliament, no one misses out on anything, and no one has to give up anything. If anything, Australia gains sixty thousand years of wisdom and. Um, 
But the other thing is, from a health perspective, it is proven, there is research out there that actually says, you know, uh, when Aboriginal people are at the table in making decisions and influencing those decisions, we get better outcomes. And I can sit here all day and tell you about some of the projects that have been very successful. But it's not, we don't do it at a national level. We have to have that voice to Parliament and it has to be in the Constitution for a number of reasons. One is so that uh, it can't be gotten rid of at the whim of any political party. And two, it's the rest of the country acknowledging that we are the first peoples here uh, and that cannot be denied. So we want it written into into the rule book that we were. So, you know... Um, it's as simple as that. So nothing, no one's backyards are under threat, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh, what uh, the voice to parliament will bring about if it's uh, voted on positively, uh, that uh, major changes will be made, there will be uh, some kind of uh, third chamber or have very power over the parliament. But discussions have to be made and uh, ultimately it's uh, the parliament that uh, has... Uh, the last word. Exactly. So the Parliament still have the power, by the way. Um, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's a very modest ask. It is time for Australia to grow and for Australia to evolve. Um, and this is only the very first step for this to happen. And it's a small step, but at the same time, it's also a giant step. Yeah. And... Uh because you talk very eloquently about voice because you've been active in the community as an elder and uh, you've lived through a lot of the things we're talking about, like uh, native title, uh, how it was, uh, how it came about and uh, the role back by successive governments of uh, the positive achievements of the Marble case uh, in uh, the High mm. Court. But the younger generations, those who are born after all these events in the 80s, 90s, they'll be voting now, but they've got no idea. And with the misinformation, uh, and uh, my next question actually just stemming from uh, what I'm just saying now is the role of elders in informing the younger generations and uh, steering everyone to vote um, in the right way. Yeah, the role of elders that's been impacted on a great deal due to the brutality of colonisation. So um, prior to colonisation happening in this country, elders, they were our politicians. They were our, um, our um, you know, our, our people who guided the clans and the tribes and the mobs. But colonisation impacted on that. And then, of course, we've got a uh, colonised, um, you know, structure here in this country. And, yes, we're, we're, we're all Australians and we all live here and we've evolved and we've moved. Um, but we can never forget that um, there was an, there was and still is ancient cultures that occupied this continent. Um, and we have a lot to offer in the evolution of this country um, for when, when you when you look at on a global platform when you look at 
you hear about the ancient Greeks, you even learn about them in schools. And you know about the Egyptians and how old the uh, pyramids are. But no one learns about our ancient cultures here that belongs to all Australians. And all Australians should be proud of that ancient culture where if you travel to America or Canada or wherever you go on this planet, you can hold your head high as an Australian and say, we also have an ancient culture in our country and they are recognised and they bring a lot to our tables. That would be amazing. Can you imagine that? No, and that would be really, really great. And the role of elders uh, is uh, something you'll be celebrating, actually, virtually celebrating elders yes. in less than uh, five weeks' time. Can you tell us about uh, the upcoming Elders' Summit? Yes, yeah, so the upcoming Elders' Summits. And I know our elected voice here in Victoria, the First People's Assembly of Victoria, are also developing an Elders' Council to help guide the First People's Assembly of Victoria. So that's really important, and I know they're doing a lot of work in this space. But Vacho has a peak body for health. We, you know, I, I don't remember the last time we've actually brought our elders together to have a conversation as a collective right across the state of Victoria. So this Elders Summit coming up on the 3rd and 4th of October is about doing that, having conversations on a whole range of things whether it would be the voice, whether it would be um, the constitutional reform, whether it would be aged care, what's happening in the aged care space. You know, there's all these reforms happening out of the Commonwealth Government because of the um, Royal Commission into aged care. There's going to be big changes. So bringing our elders and our older people together to understand what those changes are and how it impacts on us. And hear their As, voice. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I was discussing with other people again about our voice because it is just occupying a lot of space. And what we noticed is uh, the most vocal, actually, opponents or even uh, supporters of voice, the voices we hear the most are those of the youngsters because they're on all these platforms, on LinkedIn, on uh, yeah. Instagram, everywhere. But the elders' voice is kind of uh, in the background, not quite heard. Yeah, that's simply because our elders, like my mum, and if you look at my mother, Anne Frances Gallagher, who turned 97 last Saturday, um, wow. and she 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 was born she was born in an era where it wasn't safe to be black. So she she experienced the missions and she experienced all the racism and the hate and everything else that our people copped in this country that we had to cope with. Um, um, when you look at her, during lockdown, it became very evident that, of course, our elders, they weren't brought up with technology. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my mum, when she first saw the word Wi-Fi, she saw it written, she thought it was Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, to get them to use a mobile phone, let alone a, 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 you know, a, um, a home phone, uh, is really difficult, although some of them are very astute uh, in that space, but not a lot. So having access to that technology and understanding it and how to use it, of course, 
their voices aren't heard. So we've got to elevate their voices. We've got to work out how we do that. Because they've got a lot of wisdom to impart, but uh, we need to find a way uh, of uh, bringing the oral culture back into the forefront and make sure that uh, the conversations and the knowledge is passed on from one generation to another. That's correct. Auntie Jill Gallagher, before I let you go, any closing thoughts or something important you may want to bring to the attention of our listeners today? I just want to encourage all citizens who are at voting age, uh, please vote yes. That was uh, Auntie Jill Gallagher, CEO of Virtual Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation. We must now step aside for a short break. When we come back, we explore the No and Yes campaign as they have now officially launched. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Now hundreds of volunteers have taken to the streets kick off the first day of official campaigning for or against the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. It comes as Prime Minister Antonio Albanese has announced the date for the referendum as October 14. Kiara Haynes reports. The Yes campaign for an Indigenous Voice to Parliament has wasted no time getting out and about in swing states, with over 30,000 volunteers signed up to encourage people to vote Yes. On the first day of official campaigning, opposition leader Peter Dutton and Nationals leader David Littleproud are targeting the regions, campaigning against The Voice. In Sydney, director of the Yes 23 campaign, Dean Parkin, says excitement for the referendum is building. Well, obviously yesterday, uh, a very momentous day in this campaign for constitutional recognition through The Voice Seeing the Prime Minister announce the date, giving us that October 14 date, very much sets the nation on the pathway to the referendum. We've already been out there campaigning as the Yes campaign, and as you can see today, uh, going from Adelaide to Hornsby train station today, having further conversations with voters on the ground, a tremendous vibe out here. Australians will head to the polls on the 14th of October to decide whether to enshrine an Indigenous voice in Australia's constitution. Recent polling suggests a shift in support for the voice in South Australia toward the yes vote and Tasmania leaning towards a no vote. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is in Hobart, targeting crucial marginal Liberal seats. Mr Albanese says he's confident Tasmanians will vote yes. I'm very positive about how the vote will go in Tasmania and throughout the country. Uh, This is a very clear and simple proposition. Uh, This is a proposition to recognise First Nations people in our constitution and listen to them about matters that affect their lives so as to get better results. That is what this is about. It's an opportunity uh, to lift the whole nation up. It should be a moment of national unity and I'm very pleased that every Premier and Chief Minister is supporting a yes vote. New South Wales and Victoria are expected to vote yes, while Western Australia and Queensland are leaning towards a no vote. Minister for Indigenous Australians Linda Burney has been campaigning for the yes vote in Brisbane. She says the yes campaign will have a significant presence in Queensland during the next six weeks in an effort to combat polling. I have enormous faith in this state. This state is going to be loud and clear 
about decency, about justice and about doing the right thing. I have got no doubt about that. The next six weeks is about us getting out, making sure that people understand the significance of this referendum. Voters in Brisbane told NITV they'd like more information before making a decision. I don't know. I just It's all confusing, really. Yeah. yeah I, I'm happy the way I am. I pay my rent. I'm still not sure. I haven't heard enough yet about it. Well, I might say yes, go yes, and might as well. And, yeah, it's, for me it's a question of social justice and uh, overdue justice. Definitely strong yes. I'm actually also a volunteer for the Yes campaign. I'll definitely be voting yes. I think it's definitely important for us Indigenous followers to have a say in Parliament. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has been encouraging voters to say no to the voice in the central Queensland city of Rockhampton, alongside Nationals leader David Littleproud. He says those who don't know which way to go should vote no. It's quite remarkable that the PM spending $450 million on this voice referendum when we know that uh, in the end it will split Australians right down the middle. Uh, the Prime Minister is embarking on a path which will divide our country, not unite it. And that is uh, deeply concerning. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have a respectful debate in this country. And I want to make sure that it's respectful through the provision of information and detail that people can understand before they cast their vote. Mr Dutton has criticised the way the Prime Minister has been treating the public. Well, I think the most important thing to concentrate on at the moment is uh, to make sure that the Australian public has the information they need to cast an informed vote. Uh, The Prime Minister needs to show leadership by providing that information. You can't go to a referendum six weeks out with no information on the table. And him saying, oh, this is just an idea, it's a simple proposition, you don't have to worry about the detail, we'll sort that out later on. Australians aren't stupid, and the Prime Minister treating Australians like mugs, I just don't think he's going to fly, because people want to have a respectful debate, they want the information, so that they can make an informed judgement, and whether they vote yes or no, I I respect that. And you can find comprehensive information about the referendum visiting the SBS Voice Referendum portal at www.sbs.com.au slash voice referendum. Kira Hayne, SBS News. NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook. Welcome back. Now, coming up next, a conversation between uh, Loana Grant and uh, Anne-Marie Long, talking about uh, a new opportunity offering uh, First Nations career trackers the opportunity for internships in a NASA space program. Today, I'm joined by Anne-Marie Long, a National Coordinator of the Career Trackers STEM program. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. How are you going? Firstly, can you tell us more about this exciting opportunity at NASA that sees some of the career tracker students participating in? Absolutely. Well, so exciting that our mob are reaching new heights, pun intended. Uh, the National <laughs> Indigenous Space Academy was officially launched um, in Adelaide by the Australian Space Agency as part of NASA's Administrator Senator Bill Nelson's visit to Australia earlier this year in March. So this is a really exciting opportunity um, for our mob to be NASA interns and we'll take part in a 10-week internship at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and connected to the community of career trackers. You know, really excited for this opportunity. 
it sounds amazing and like NASA, that's massive, <laughs> it's huge, um, you know, for the students to be participating in, in that program. Can you tell us a little bit more about the overall program and what they will undertake? Um, you did say it was 10 weeks, um, but yeah, how does the internship work? Yeah, absolutely. So it's being delivered by Monash University and um, it's a really great once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the students to connect there, um, you know, based in Pasadena in California. It'll enable the students to travel to the United States and experience, I suppose, you know, the 10 weeks in the life of a, of a NASA intern. So that's everything from um, the experience of familiarising themselves with aerodynamics, robotics, astrophysics, planetary science, engineering, computer and earth sciences, as well as past and current space exploration missions at NASA. So I'm sure they'll be strapped in for quite an experience. Can you tell us a bit more about the participants? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, as we know, Indigenous Australians are the first scientists, engineers, technologists, mathematicians and doctors, right? And we're really excited in the Career Trackers community to have over 3,000 students and alumni, so over 1,100 alumni present um, in our career trackers community. And one of those is the deadly Renee Wooten, um, you know, proud Thorough woman who has been involved with career trackers for a number of years, interning at Qantas and now working um, full-time in the team. And Renee is so deadly, so staunch. Um, you know, she's a pilot and she's achieved so much over her time in the community. So she'll be heading... Um, along with Narajindi man Lyndon Beaumont, Power man Ted Vanderfin, and also Lincoln Burke. Also, Tully Ma will be teaming up with scientists and mentors during their time at NASA. So really exciting that five of the six NASA interns who are due to take part in this experience are connected to the career trackers community. Um, Lincoln was actually involved in our uh, pre-university program, which is really deadly, um, involved since you know, his journey as a high school student, Lyndon there. So um, he's studying advanced computer science. He's been with Career Trackers since 2020, set to graduate in STEM 1 2024 and a lover of the outdoors. So, yeah, this is going to be such a deadly experience for the students. I'm really excited that they're connected with one another in this experience as well. And is this the first time that a global program like this has been um, undertaken? Yes, that is correct. Um, it's the very first time. So, this opportunity is, dare I say, out of this world. <laughs> and what steps are career trackers making to support more Indigenous youth in the STEM fields? We're really honoured to have our partnership with CSIRO in the Young Indigenous Women STEM Academy, um, where we've been supporting over 135 female identifying students in their journey of studying everything from environmental science through to, uh, you know, biotech, uh, physio, health sciences, um, aerospace engineering, of course. And so we're here to support them through one-on-one mentoring and then paid industry internships throughout their university breaks so they can experience what the day in the life of their industry actually looks like before committing to a graduate program or stepping out into the real world with their um, certificates, qualifications and degrees. So really great for students to get to see what they can be within career trackers because we know community accountability and mentorship means you know, it's worth its weight in gold. And it's really important to see diversity and representation in a wide range of worldwide industries. What advice do you have for any First Nations students out there that are keen to take up careers in STEM? You know, the sky is the limit. We can see that with our Mr. interns, right? Um, having their experience, I think anything that makes you feel 
nervous, exhilarated. And, um, you know, you think about before you go to bed, you think about when you're getting up in the morning, but it feels like that big, scary dream. Absolutely go for it because we don't know the young ones that are looking up to us and watching us. Sometimes they may be directly in our family or maybe they uh, are a person on the other end of the call um, or sitting beside you in your lecture theatre in your classrooms at your workplace that goes, wow, you know, they really have the courage to take this opportunity and it's really important for us to pave the way as our ancestors have for us. We care for country, we care for community, we have the tools, the resources within, so let's go out there, get the qualifications and, you know, take the world by storm. Amazing. Anne-Marie, it's been so great to have you on to discuss this amazing and exciting opportunity and all the best to the interns, um, you know, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that they're going to embark on. So super exciting for them and thanks so much for coming on to chat about it. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Really excited um, for these students and can't wait to catch up and share their successes in the next yarn. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back um, and hopefully we can maybe interview some of the participants as well just to see what their experience was like and, yeah, what they can share with us, the insights that they've learnt. Yeah, for sure. I have no doubt that their experience will be out of this world, so bring it on. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. That's all I have for you on NITV Radio this uh, Friday afternoon. NITV Radio will be back on Monday with uh, more stories from uh, right across uh, the country. I'm Bertrand Tungandami. Bertrand Tungandami, I am thanking you for your company this uh, Friday afternoon and also taking the opportunity to wish you a safe and beautiful weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu. Yeah,